Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays. With me is Jay Jones. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. You doing all right? Uh-huh. Yep, I'm making it. Okay, all right. Yep. Well, last week you uh, were sprayed <laughs> by a skunk, and this <laughs> oh, week, yeah. Yeah. this week you uh, got a little bit of a cold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you see that meme some uh, Mallory made of last week's episode? Yes, yes, he did. I did. <laughs> Fit, Fit, Phineas is here. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Say, smell my hands. Should have popped. You'll that have one. to. Should have popped that one up on the yeah. up on the screen. You'll have to go listen to that if you want to know what's going on. Right. Yeah, yeah. that was a good story. So yeah, voice is going. Uh, well, maybe getting better now, but I thought yesterday was gonna go out all the way. Yeah. So. I uh, couldn't really tell. That's good. I'm glad. I was preaching? on the verge of coughing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the worst feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Because once you start coughing, it's over. Well, and it's awkward to stop and take a drink. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, it was... Had some hot tea up there. It was good. So that helped me get through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully you can make it through I hope today. So. <laughs> I hope I can make it. Yep. If you just drop out, I'll just keep going, I guess. My voice sounds better. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got that deep radio yeah. voice. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. All Text right. Driven Tuesday. Well, you uh you did it. I did it. You did it. All you right. did all of you did all of John 20. I had some major doubters. You did you did all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I I still think you could have split it up. Oh, I could for I sure. I still have think split you could have up. split it up. I could for sure have split it up, but yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if you uh, like you can get to the same like uh, finishing idea, yeah. and, and get it with the same amount of force, maybe. Yeah. Because um, I really do think that that's why uh, John put that there at the at the end of chapter twenty. Uh huh. I think he put it there for a reason. Yeah. Instead of at the very end. Right. So. Yeah. Well, you did it. Yeah. Did it work at least? Congratulations. Was Congratulations it? Congratulations on. Was it at least not terrible? No, it was good. Okay. Good. Yeah, it was good. I know it's a lot more. It's more text than usual for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. One whole chapter. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so we're in John chapter twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the chapter on the resurrection. And the uh, appearance of Christ. Yeah. So, you want me to? You want me to read it? Is that what you want me to do? Yeah, I'll have you just read the text. Okay. Um, yeah, one whole chapter, and and as as George is reading, you'll see there's like four different like narratives, mm-hmm. uh, not different narratives, like different scenes, right? Where where people encounter like the empty tomb or in Jesus, mm-hmm. it unfolds around these four different. And you'll kind of see that as 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 we go through there. Yeah. So, so you're you're holding the whole thing together, and you're try to yeah. you are you're really you're you're really saying that those last two verses are the point. Mm-hmm. Like that's the point of of what. Right. This... Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll say it's it's the main point. I think there's a couple of I think. You know uh, the commissioning, as when Jesus sends, he says, "I'm sending 
you into the world as I was sent into the world. That's another main part of it. Uh-huh. That's another big piece of it. Okay. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's read the the text. You got it up on the screen. Uh, yep, uh, I do. Okay, it's uh, it's a longer it's a longer uh, text for us to read. Thirty one yep. verses. And you're gonna read it for me, right? Well, let's read it. All my right. Voice is going out. Okay. Let's let's read uh, John chapter twenty. It says now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thank you. Very good. All right, so you uh, you brought out that there are three certainties of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So we'll just walk through it, and uh, I've got some questions here for you, Jay, that uh, <clears throat> we can explore a little bit okay. more. All right. Okay. Let's so the it. first the first certainty is that uh, there's the certainty of the resurrection's reality. Yes. Uh, so. The reality of the resurrection is that uh, we're talking about a physical resurrection from the dead, which, as we'll see, I think it's got several implications. But when Christians are talking about resurrection, for for John, what he's recording, and for all of the early church and really all of Christianity up until modern times, mm-hmm. uh, the rise of uh, modern liberalism, right? With um, who is it? A German scholar who's considered the faller. Schleiermacher. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the resurrection is not a metaphorical resurrection inside people's hearts. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. But today that kind of passes as okay. That's your um, kind of feel good spirituality. Well, Jesus always right. lives in our hearts. That's right. Right. That's yeah. kind of the hallmark Christianity. Right. Yeah. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. Not that that's a liberal song. I, I hate that song so much, Jay. But that's not good theology. I, I know that may yeah. that may uh, upset some people, but right. I really do not like the hymn, He Lives. Right. And it's because of that last line. You yeah. ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. Right. That is a terrible apologetic. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, so the, we're not talking about a metaphorical resurrection where Jesus really inspired these these disciples and the church has just been inspired by him. He's alive. Their, his idea mm-hmm. of what it means to live right. as a human uh, for God's glory lives in me, so Jesus is still alive. Uh, we're talking about physical resurrection. You even right? hear um, really the even the more liberal people uh, kind of this mysticism that we all are Christ, mm-hmm. like the Christ Spirit lives sure. in us, and we are, we are yeah. Christ. Mm-hmm. Kind of this um, Oprah, it's almost pan, panentheism, Oprah teaches, right? Oprah teaches that she was influenced by Deepak Chopra, uh-huh. um, who is just—I mean, he's a a hybrid like of Hinduism, mm-hmm. Buddhism, all of the Eastern stuff. Right. That's Deepak Chopra, modern spiritualist. And uh, that the Christ spirit, it permeates all of the universe mm-hmm. and he lives in all of us. Yeah. And Oprah will say that. Right. That she endorses Christ. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is not the same thing. What we're, right. what we're talking about, what, what the gospels and what John writes about is that Jesus was a human flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. He was killed and buried like a human, and he rose from the dead. I think that's... Physically. I think that is the emphasis of the Apostles' Creed, that statement that's often left out. He descended into Hades. Uh-huh. He des- it, because um, there's been a mistranslation into the English right. where it 
it reads he descended into hell uh-huh. and people have a problem with that right i, I think rightly so uh-huh. but i think if we understand the greek concept of hades as the place of the dead right this is where this is where the souls of the dead go right they they go someplace mm-hmm. right um i think that's the thrust of the apostles creed he descended into the place of the dead right like when jesus's body died his soul went where the souls of the righteous yeah go after death yeah he actually died yeah and he's his, been, his soul and his body separated yeah he rises so he rises from the dead on sunday which means he was dead some he died sometime between 12 and 3 p.m. they took him off the cross probably around 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. buried him before 6 before sundown so he's been dead for a good while right we say three days because it is three days. It doesn't mean three twenty-four hour periods. The, the way in which the Jews reckon right. time. He rose from the dead on the third day. Right. Not that it's three twenty-four hour periods, but he's been he's been dead a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no question that he actually is. We'll get. In, I think we'll probably touch on that a little bit more in a bit. But this is this reality. What Christians are claiming is ab- absolutely revolutionary. Yeah, uh, it it is unique among all world religions. There is nothing even like it, not even close. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Jesus rose from the dead physically has massive implications. It means eternal life is possible. Everybody wants to live forever. Anybody says that is a liar if they say they don't want to live forever. <laughs> um, People want to live, not only live forever, but live forever in a perfect world. Like, we're longing for a perfect world. Mm-hmm. That's why we invest in things like social programs, right, uh, to try to alleviate crime in communities or education or you name it, government, all these things. It's because we know this world isn't perfect and we want a perfect world. And it'd be nice, it sure would be nice to live forever in a perfect world. Mm-hmm. Well... What Christianity is claiming is that Jesus rose from the dead, and that means all of these things will happen. Right. Eternal life is possible, and beyond that, uh, he alters the fabric of the universe. There's no way to overstate what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. You can't overstate it. It's impossible. Yeah. Often understated, never overstated. Like, you you can't even capture it it, yeah. al- it alters the course of the universe mm-hmm. yeah and, and this is even different from um you know jehovah's witnesses mm-hmm. and their idea of of the resurrection they believe that jesus just rose in a spirit body right that his physical body was uh taken up in the heaven and uh he just had a spirit body mm. that's not <laughs> that's not the new testament teaching right yeah yeah um Again, this this encompasses all of the Bible. What is God's goal with humanity? Mm-hmm. God's goal with humanity was to always have an image bearer, humans to rule the universe. Right. And when I say the universe, I mean the universe. I don't mean like, hey, we rule the world. We will. We rule the world. Mm-hmm. But the universe is massive. Yeah. And we're to rule all of it as God's image bearers. Right. And Christ accomplishes all of that mm-hmm. as a human being and as forever a human. He has a human body. Yeah. I think that Christians often forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we, we do have, I, I, I guess, some of the, 
the Greek thought, you know, Gnosticism has crept in, mm-hmm. and we we uh, we kind of downplay the fact that Jesus has a physical body forever. Right. Like he he doesn't. He has not changed. Um, from being the God Man. Right. He will forever be fully God and fully a man. Uh-huh. And that means that his body is somewhere. Yeah. This is important because this is this is why things like transubstantiation are wrong. Mm-hmm. It's because it's a it's forgetting that he is truly a man and he has a a body that is in one place. Yeah. And uh, you can't you can't mix um, his physical his physical nature, yeah, um, with his divinity, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So um, we've got eyewitness testimonies to this, right? This isn't right. this isn't just yeah. This th- is, this isn't just something that's made up. Yeah, there there are eyewitness testimonies here. There are enough eyewitness testimony that that could stand up if there were a Jewish trial. Mm-hmm. And they and they're in agreement on, on what happened. Yeah, John doesn't record every occurrence. The the uh, appearance on the um, road to Emmaus to the two disciples right happens in between two of these appearances in John. It's not recorded. John only has selected these. Uh, but yeah, so you have uh, the first one, the first kind of like narrative. Jesus isn't present, but the empty tomb is Peter and John discovering the empty tomb. Mm-hmm. Mary goes first before it's daytime. Um, she's traveling with other ladies. John just doesn't record it. Uh, the other Gospels record that. Um, she would never be traveling alone. <clears throat> For the same reasons a woman wouldn't travel alone at night in our world, right? Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. Um, and so she goes, stones rolled away, startles her. She thinks, she assumes someone's stolen his body because uh, grave robbery is really bad in the Roman Empire during this time. Um, <clears throat> eventually... I found a deal that said eventually emperor would uh, make grave robbery punishable by death because it was just happening everywhere. So uh, they go and like any natural person, you don't you don't roll up the third day like thinking I'm going to go here and Jesus will have conquered death. <laughs> right? She's like, oh, someone stole. Well, his that's body. you know that's it, the the skeptics, the atheists. They will say, well, you know, this is just primitive man right. and their superstitions mm-hmm. um they they just thought that people rose from the dead right um that's ludicrous anyone who can read you can you can pick up any ancient like like i told you before i, I didn't i found the little the little fact mm-hmm. about what the romans believed and they even believed their the chief god of their pantheon could right. not raise the dead <laughs> right so no ancient man did not believe people came back from the dead yeah you don't you don't see it in mythology. They believe death was like an unconquerable foe. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You you didn't you didn't see people coming back from from the dead. Right. Um, even in mythology. Right. So this is not these uneducated, um, you know, pre scientific people mm-hmm. who thought that people just got got up, <laughs> right, and walked out of the tomb. Uh-huh. Um, they knew that. People don't come back from the dead, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's why it was a miracle. That's why the raising of Lazarus was um, yeah. such a, a monumental event, uh-huh. because 
someone who's been dead for four days does not come back from the dead. Right. Right. If they just believe that, oh, yeah, people come back from the dead, then it wouldn't have been such an issue. Yeah. This would have massive. I mean, this is a melting pot around at the time. I would imagine just the the, the, the Roman people or the Greco Roman people, they probably were around. Mm hmm. That would like shatter their their entire frame of existence. Yeah. Because who could raise the dead? Right. It'd have to be like one above all. Yeah. A God they've never heard about. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's walking around on the earth. Yeah. It's a big, big stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So you've got her going and telling Peter and John. And they run to the tomb. I love I love John's uh, details <laughs> right. that he outruns. He outruns. He Peter. outruns Peter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he just slips that in. It's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't. They uh, so he gets there and he stoops in and he sees he sees the the burial clothes laying there, but he doesn't go in. Right. He, yeah. That's an interesting detail. Um, I've often wondered if it's, you know, we've, we've discussed whether John was a priest uh-huh. and I, I often have wondered if that's the reason why he didn't go in. Yeah, I don't know. It's because he was a priest and that, that, that is prescribed in the law that the priest is not supposed to touch a dead body. Right. right? He's not supposed to be in contact with, mm-hmm. with the dead. Right. Um, so I've, I've wondered if maybe uh-huh. that's the reason why he didn't go in is because, well, maybe maybe there's a dead body in there. Want, yeah, uh, but Peter, Peter, just he didn't care. <laughs> Peter's just being Peter, right? Yeah, he just runs runs right in. Yeah, <laughs> he yep. doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually John follows him in. Right. Yep. Right. So, and they they discover the grave clothes, mm-hmm. and the description is not that like like they discovered that somebody stole his body and threw the grave. You know, like you unwrap somebody, right? Or like Lazarus, he when he came back he had his grave clothes uh-huh, on right uh these are still there yeah apparently like filled with the spices so they're just like in, they're like empty uh-huh it'd be like if jesus dematerialized yeah they're just a shell they've got they're wrapped the same form but they deflated mm-hmm. like a deflated balloon or something and uh, the face cloth is separate yeah which it's a that's an important detail because it's like it gives validity that John saw it because says he was buried according to the Jewish custom, and there were two. There were always two cloths, mm. one for your body, up to your up to your neck, and then there'd be a gap, and they'd wrap your head up. Okay, and that's what they see that these two are separate. Uh, not the shroud of Turin, right? That you see on the <laughs> yeah. Discovery Channel. That's okay. not real. Right. He wasn't wrapped in one cloth. Okay, he was wrapped in two. Uh, like any Jew would be, and that's what they see. And, and John sees it. And next, he, you're going to be telling me that the spear of destiny isn't real, ah. Jay. <laughs> well, the spear of destiny is real. I don't know where it is. Yeah, <laughs> it probably is gone, lost to time. But it's a real spear. I don't. Yeah. It doesn't have magical powers. Okay, but it's out there, buried probably. Right, lost. Yeah, it probably just you know made its way back into the Roman logistics and died with some soldier on the battlefield. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, two cloths, John. It's enough for John to see it, and uh, we don't know how or why, but he concludes Jesus has risen from the dead. Right? He's he's the first believer post resurrection. Okay. It's interesting. The um, those two verses. It, it says that he went in, he saw, and he believed. 
But then verse 9 says, for as yet they didn't understand the scripture. Right. How do you how do you understand that, that he believed, but he still, I think, he still didn't understand? Maybe he, John, connected the dots quicker, like okay. to what the things Jesus said, uh-huh. like destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. Yeah. Um, maybe he connected the dots with Jesus's teachings about okay. that he was going to rise from the dead, but hasn't connected the dots to the Old Testament. Okay. Yet. They didn't understand that the scriptures said that he that he would rise from the dead. Okay. So maybe he believes because he's seen this, but not because right because he understands right the yeah. scriptures yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that's his conclusion. Uh, so they they go back home. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Right. Yeah, that is an odd, <laughs> odd detail. I thought. Like, huh. <laughs> yeah, go back home after that. Yeah, right. Well, it's it's like uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, I guess next week, Peter Peter, uh, Peter going back to his job, right? But yeah, Peter apparently didn't believe at this point. I don't think he did. Yeah. Um, doesn't appear appear mm-hmm. so. He just kind of is like it's struggling, like right wonder, not sure what's happened. Uh huh. Kind of in that state. Right. Um, so they go they go home. But Mary Magdalene yeah. stays behind, right? Yeah, so she came back eventually. Uh, didn't go with them, but I guess she caught up. Um, she's weeping. She stoops to look in. She sees two angels. Okay. They're like, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? So here's Just uh, a casual conversation. Right. <laughs> Some angels. <laughs> yeah, just any just time you see an angel. Yeah. Right. Are these the angels that have uh, six wings and the head of a... I don't think Head so. of an eagle and... <laughs> the, these... These must just look like regular men. Right. Yeah. Okay. But they're glowing. They're like bright. I mean, she bright. obviously knows. Yeah. Right? right. Yeah. So here's a here's an apparent discrepancy. Okay. So in some of the other gospels, there's one angel. Mm. Here there's two. Right. If we were to be um talking to a, a skeptic and they brought up this, well the these writers can't even get it right. This one says there's one angel. This one says there's two. Mm. How how should we deal with a discrepancy like that? I mean, it's the same same with uh, you know Mary Magdalene. It, John says Mary Magdalene went. Right. The other gospels say that a group of women group of women went. went. Right. What do we do with some of these apparent yeah, I mean, discrepancies? It's, it's super easy um, because well, there is Mary Magdalene went uh-huh. with other women. Yeah. Because you know, just because John doesn't record the other women mm-hmm. were there doesn't mean. He didn't think they were there. Yeah, it just means he didn't say that they were there. He didn't include that detail, yeah. or see that he had anything to add. This gospel, the, the other gospels are already recorded. Mm-hmm. John doesn't need to include everything that's in all of the other ones. Yeah. Um, as far as the other angels go, uh, or the other account, it says, and do you uh, think do you think that maybe Mary Magdalene was known to the audience? Uh, probably. John's writing yeah, too. I mean, she's she's maybe still alive. Part of the inner circle as well. Mm-hmm. There's an inner circle of Jesus' disciples and the women that were with them. Right. And Mary is one of the most popular. Yeah. She's the one who Jesus cast these demons and stuff out of. So she's well known in the well, church. Well, she's Jesus's wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Brown. <laughs> What's that book called? Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Yeah. She's probably well known because she was a. Uh, absolute train wreck yeah when she encounters jesus mm. a grotesque sinner yeah filled with demons okay and she's transformed right she's probably pretty popular yeah 
Like you're like, I want to meet Mary Magdalene, see right. how Jesus transforms people. <laughs> yeah, you know, the other ladies, yeah, these are real people. I, I think uh, it's easy to forget. We right. read these, we read these stories, and we forget that they're real people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there the the two the two angels. Um, well, if there's two angels, there's obviously one angel. Right. So that's easy as well. But uh-huh. the other gospels kind of record the one angel as the one who uh, rolls a stone away, appears, mm-hmm. and like a bolt of lightning, apparently, and the, the Roman soldiers <laughs> are right. like, they're, they're uh, stunned, mm-hmm. fall over like dead men. It's like a big flashbang grenade. Right. And uh, they fall over like dead men. Angel rolls away the stone. Um, and just because they don't record more than one angel... Um, doesn't mean John's wrong, right? Right. He's just recording more, like mm-hmm. more of what's there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, it's it, it's good to to think through some of these because these are legitimate um, arguments that people will will uh, encounter. Yeah. When the gospel writers are writing stuff, writing this stuff, they're not going okay. Like they're not writing like a westerner would be like, okay, um, how many angels? <laughs> All right. Make sure you put in there. There were two. Uh huh. Um, what were they wearing? Right. Okay. They were wearing this. Yeah. What did they look like? Okay. What? How many Roman soldiers were there? Okay. Make sure you that you put include that detail too. Mm-hmm. How many women with Mary? Three. All right. Make sure they're there. Right. You know that they don't write like that. Well, even uh, even if um, I've or I've heard it described as you know witnesses to a car accident. Mm-hmm. Each witness is going to bring out different, different facts. Like right. the story, it's it's more likely that the story is fabricated if every single testimony is exactly the same. Right. But if For sure. if each person is writing and they include or or leave out certain facts that they don't find right. important to their purpose, yeah, it's more likely that they're writing from their point of view. They're exactly. they're writing from. John is a real person. He's he's not writing some some kind of distant distant fable. He's writing from his own experience, right? From what he he's he's actually lived through. Yeah, that's important detail that you bring up because I mean, if you watch like crime documentaries or anything like that, that's mm-hmm. what you see. If there's a conspiracy for a crime, yeah, people will make sure they all say the exact same thing. Right? Their lie is exactly the same. Yeah. Down to the details. Yeah. Eventually, one of them will mess up later. Uh-huh. But that's what they they have all of it. Like, they, but that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're just interviewing witnesses, right? They don't they don't all say the same stuff. They're all telling the same thing, right? But they don't say it the same way they would if there's a conspiracy. Yeah. To make up a lie, right? Even the way that that Mary comes and talks to uh, to Peter and John, she says that. Um, uh, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Right. So, even there, mm-hmm. she's not alone. Right. Right. So, we we uh, we can have confidence in these these accounts, uh-huh. even though some of the details are not exactly the same. It's because John he uh, he didn't find it important to name. Right. All the women, right? Right. He yeah, found right. it important just to mention Mary because mm-hmm. he's going to talk about Jesus appearing to her. That's right. Right here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So while she's answering the question, she notices someone else is there. Apparently, mm-hmm. somehow turns around, um, doesn't know who it is. Maybe 
people speculate it's because she's crying, her eyes are filled with tears, yeah. or maybe because for the same reason the other disciples don't recognize him at first. Yeah. Uh, but eventually they do. She doesn't know who she's could talking be, to. It could be because she's not expecting to see him. Right. right. Because someone <laughs> right. being alive after they're dead would be like a new thing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the last time she saw him, he didn't look great. No. Right? Yeah. Would have been, yeah, very so bad. So it would have been um, unexpected, to very, say the yeah. least, right? Yes. very. And so Jesus asked her, you know, what's wrong with you? Whom are you seeking? <laughs> yeah. And she answers the same way she does uh-huh. to the angels. And then that's when uh, the text says she thought he was a gardener. Yeah. Then Jesus calls her name, Mary. She hears his voice. She recognizes that. She recognizes Jesus' voice, turns around, yeah. clings to him, mm-hmm. you know, hugs him. And then Jesus says, don't cling to me and uh, go and tell the other disciples. Yeah. So Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um so she uh, she goes and tells the disciples, right? Right. Um, and then, surprise, Jesus shows up. Yep. Right. So the uh, the next the next set of witnesses. This is yeah. This is um, the evening of that of that day. Okay. So same day, but just in the evening, mm-hmm. and they're all in a locked room because they're afraid. They're still afraid of the Jews because of what just happened. Jesus was just crucified. They crucified their master. Dangerous to be associated with them. So they're behind locked doors. They're afraid. And all of a sudden, he just appears. Right. In the room. Right. Yeah. He can teleport. Yeah, he can. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, he can apparently just... Yeah. It's a still flesh and blood body. I mean, right. as we'll see, they touch him. Mm-hmm. He. This is not a spirit like a floaty... Hologram, right? We're not talking about a, like a hologram thing. I think it's the Gospel of Luke where they still don't believe when they see him, so he asks for some food. That's right. And he eats. That's he right, eats some yeah. fish. Yep. And he's going to eat next chapter too, and in in twenty one, right? But they, he says, "Come and touch, touch my hands, my side." Yeah. And they see, and the major understatement is, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) That is the biggest understatement ever by John. (laughs) Right. Then they were glad. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Verse 20. (laughs) So, and then then he goes into 21 through 23, which we'll deal with in the second second point. Okay. But... The final, the final eyewitness. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas isn't there. He right. doesn't believe him either. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's like he does. What not, kind of conversation do you think this would have been? He, so crazy. What he he's out going to get supplies or something, and he, he shows up, and they're like, "We saw Jesus. He's alive." Are you guys pulling my leg? I, I prom. Yeah, he'd be like, "Stop playing, guys." Right. <laughs> That's not something you joke about. Right. Like don't don't play like that. Yeah. He's probably mad at first. <laughs> probably. They're like, no, we promise we saw him, like all of them. Yeah. And he's like, I don't believe it. Like, there's the 10 uh-huh. and Mary. Right. And the two, the two have reported back by now. Probably, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, I'll never believe it. I'll never believe unless I see it with my own eyes and touch right. it. Right. Yeah. We give, we give Thomas uh, a hard time. We, we kind of gloss over the fact that Jesus showed his hands and his side to the the other disciples right when he shows up uh-huh. um, in verse 20 he did so we, when when he says unless i see i'll never believe mm-hmm. when he's like come on thomas right um but he jesus he shows the 
the other disciples, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we also forget this is the same Thomas that um, was ready to die with Jesus in chapter eleven, uh-huh. right? Right. When Jesus is going back to raise Lazarus, and mm-hmm. um, the other disciples are like, "We can't go back there. the The leaders are trying to kill you." Right. And Thomas says, "Let's go with him so that we can die with him." Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's the same Thomas. Right. So we need to remember that again. He's a real person. Yeah. The term "doubting Thomas" that's right. a thing. Yeah. Well. If you were there, you would have done the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's no <laughs> right. there's no doubt. Yeah. And uh, I, I because mean, dead people don't come back to life. Because people don't right. Dead people don't come back to life. I, I promise you, when Jesus showed up, mm-hmm. they probably did think they were hallucinating. Probably. That's how drastic of a thing it is. Right. And that's why he says, "Touch me." Yeah. I'd probably like. How long am is this, I? Am how I long dreaming? Is this, like, yeah. How long has this fish been sitting out? Yeah, is this is this a dream? <laughs> right. Like, what is going on? Yeah, right. Was I poisoned? Yeah, and so Jesus says, "Touch me and see." Mm-hmm. Talks with them, touches. They touch him. Right. Um, it'd be the same thing you would require, right? Right. Um, had nothing like this ever happened in history, mm-hmm. and you were there, you'd probably need to touch him, right? And to- <laughs> so Thomas, you're right. right. Like we shouldn't give Thomas too yeah. hard of a time, right? Uh, so eight days later, this is an interesting detail. Um, it's not not mentioned in any of the other right. accounts. Um, we forget that there's forty days yeah. that pass from the from the resurrection to the ascension. So there's a lot of stuff going on here mm-hmm. that's not recorded. So eight days later, this is after Jesus goes to America. To yeah, the- <laughs> <laughs> that's funny right there. Good joke. Uh, we don't know what we don't know what's transpired over mm-hmm. this week. What Jesus is is doing well i think he says i am ascending Mm -hmm. i think he probably is transversing between the two realms okay and why the big break my pure speculation is he's he's uh not gonna just break it off cold turkey yeah right for the 40 for these days right there's multiple appearances and i think maybe prolonged periods where they don't have him yeah they don't see him right and he's preparing them for the final day mm. when he leaves and he doesn't return. And he is appearing to other people. Right. Like he does appear to James. Uh-huh. Um, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15, but we don't have a record of that. At some point, he appears to his brothers. That's right. And he probably probably appears to his mother, right? Yeah. Um, and 500 other 500 people. at the same time. We we just don't have all of the accounts of, of right. his appearances. Um, but we do know that a week has passed. And now the disciples are gathered again, and Thomas is with them. Mm-hmm. And there's Jesus again. There he is. Yep. Right. So same thing he does with the other disciples. He does with Thomas. Right. So here I am. Come and touch me. Put your hands here in my hands. Mm-hmm. Touch my side. Right. And uh, and then Thomas makes this big profession of faith. Yeah. And he says, "My Lord and my God." You know how Jehovah's Witnesses interpret that, right? I don't. They say that that Thomas is just giving an exclamation. Oh, he's like, not. He's not. He's not calling Jesus God. He's saying, "My God." <laughs> okay. That's how they. That's how they. Uh, oh, they yeah. interpret that because that they get right. because they got to get away from. Right. They've got to get away from Thomas acknowledging Jesus as God. Doesn't doesn't really work. It doesn't with the language there. My Lord and my God. Right. Right. Um, it's he is ascribing divinity. Yeah. To Jesus here. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. 
And, and then Jesus says, uh, have you believed because you've seen me? Mm-hmm. And then he makes this blessing, this statement of blessing. Yeah. Uh, blessed are those who have not seen <laughs> right. and yet believe. Uh-huh. Right. So that's We the, could chase uh, a rabbit here because I'm so interested in the fact that that they easily call Jesus God. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that this reinforces the fact that the faithful Jews of the Old Testament already acknowledged that there were persons within the Godhead. Right. So they they understand that there is two Yahwehs, mm-hmm. right? And here's Yahweh on earth. Right. Um, and so they, they readily acknowledge, here's God, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that's really interesting. Right, yeah, it is. Could write a book. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe we should write a book, Jay. Yeah. About that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So um, there's four objections. Yeah. So to, there's the, uh, to the resurrection. So there, there's eyewitnesses, but there's going to be people that say, uh, this is just, uh, this is just, you know, years later, the Johannine community is writing down this and they're making, they're making this stuff up. Yeah. Um, and so no one rises from the dead. Um, they're, they're, this is just a, a fantasy. This is a fable. Yeah. Right. So there's four common objections. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's some more minor ones out there that right. that just aren't worth mentioning. But the four the four major ones. So let's let's talk about those. Yeah. It's an apologetic. Uh, yeah. The first one, and which we've talked about before, is that Jesus just fainted on the cross. <laughs> right. It's called the swoon theory. Uh huh. He fainted on the cross, maybe just from loss of blood or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wasn't actually dead, right. so they took him down too soon. Yeah, and uh, maybe he took one of those spy capsules that make your heart rate slow down. Uh huh. Yeah, where it's not detectable anymore. Right. But you're not really dead. Just fooling everybody. Put him in a tomb. Somehow, he uh, he's able to get enough energy to take all the gra- grave clothes off and push the stone away. Well, see, this is Come where out. this is where his co-conspirator Joseph of Arimathea chases the chases the Roman guards away. Yeah, yeah. Rolls the stone aside and gives Jesus some smelling salts. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. They put a little that little smelling salt under the nose, and uh-huh. then bam. Right. And then he came to. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's, then he's tough. Then he's <laughs> the toughest dude <laughs> right. ever to live. Uh huh. Right. Survived. Yeah. It's a ridiculous theory. Yeah. Totally ridiculous. It's um, you know, he's he's stabbed in the heart <laughs> with a, with a spear. Yeah. This is this is um this is nonsense to the level of uh, the Black Knight in um, Monty Python and the yes. Quest for the Holy Grail. It's just a <laughs> right. flesh. It's just a flesh wound. Right. Right. <laughs> he's he's got his arms and legs cut off and he's still ready to fight. Yeah. Like that's the level of absurdity. It is. To having Jesus beaten uh, scourged um he's crucified. he's crucified he's suffocating to death and then he's stabbed in the side with a spear yeah and the roman soldiers pronounce him dead right 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 professionals professional executioners um and then saying that he just passed out mm-hmm. right that's and he recovered so well right <laughs> right yeah because even if he would have passed out on the cross he would have he would have suffocated because mm-hmm. he's not support he's not He's now slumped over. Right. That's the position of death on yeah. the cross, right? Yep. And then you die. So no swoon theory. This no swoon. Is, this is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's off the table. Um, he actually did die. He did. Right. Yeah. 
so yeah, I mean, this is, these are these are objections because the fact is the tomb was empty mm-hmm. on the third day, right? So we will come up with these objections to explain it away, right? There is no body of Jesus, uh-huh. right? Oh, well, there is; it's alive, but people have will never find one. Yeah. There'll never be a grave found. Mm-hmm. So they say, well, he just didn't die; he actually recovered. That's why they saw him. Yeah, uh, even even secular history records the death of a man named Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, even the even the Jewish rabbis today, um, they'll, they'll say that there there was a man named Jesus and he he was put to death. Right, right, yeah. Um, so he he didn't just pass out. Yeah, um, it's it is. Um, I mean, there's still some people that are like he didn't even exist. But that's that's ridiculous. But so ridiculous. Historical, you know, historically, there was a real man named Jesus. He was a teacher in Israel, and he was crucified. Yeah, the people will say this is just a made up story. Mm-hmm. I didn't even bring that one up. They'll say none of this even happened at, <laughs> right. at all. I guess that's an objection uh-huh. uh, made popular by the four, four horsemen of the atheist apocalypse. Uh-huh. Um, right. Richard Dawkins got called out though at, at Oxford in front of all of his peers. I've told you about this before. John Lennox, uh, who is, I guess, one of the best mathematicians in the world, also a professor there with Richard Dawkins, and they had a little friendly public debate among their peers, so all these PhDs, and he said, why did you say in your book Jesus didn't exist? And he, he tried to answer, and he said, you know as well as everyone in this room, there's not a historian worth his salt alive on planet earth that believes jesus didn't exist and he made richard dawkins say publicly (laughs) that he shouldn't have wrote that yeah and that jesus existed right it was beautiful yeah because he didn't he didn't want to look like a fool in front of all of his Mm -hmm. academic peers right so it's easy to fool the masses but yeah you got to be called out for that stuff all right how about islam Islam uh, teaches that Jesus didn't die on the cross, that someone else did. Uh-huh. It's like a, God did a switch. Right. They'll switch a switcheroo. Yeah. Uh, that has got implications for God deceiving people. They uh-huh. didn't even go into that, but... I don't think that Islam has a problem with that, though. Probably not. Uh, Jesus was taken up into heaven. Someone else died on the cross. Mm-hmm. Some of their teachers like to say it was Judas yeah. for poetic justice. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't even come up till 600 years after. Islam doesn't even exist till 600 years after the fact. Right. So long time has passed. New religions made up. Mm-hmm. Got to compete against Christianity. Right. What do you need to get Christianity off the table? Well, you've got to get rid of the resurrection because that's massive. To do that, you've got to get Jesus off the cross. Yeah. So that's what they say. Right. And that doesn't work because uh, Tacitus, a Roman historian, uh, records uh, in AD one sixteen he recorded that Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Mm-hmm. This is just a guy writing history. Yeah, he's talking about uh, Nero and the in this group of Christians he's blamed the fire on. So he goes into detail to explain these Christians yeah. that Nero is trying to blame the fire on, and he's because he's deflecting now. Right, things are not going well for him and his and his and his emperorship. And so he starts his persecution as a Christian to deflect blame off himself for all these things. So he describes the Christians and he describes that Jesus had been crucified under Pontius Pilate. Yeah. 
Um, then Josephus recorded the same thing even before that, 93 AD, Jewish historian recorded Jesus, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. So it happened historically. There's just no way to... I mean, the, so <laughs> right. the Islam's thing does not work. Yeah, right. All right. How about uh, how about the very first uh, the very first theory against the resurrection is that the body was stolen? Yeah, the, that's the first one. Uh, the body was stolen away by the disciples, mm-hmm. started by um, the uh, the Jewish leaders. Right. They made a conspiracy. They they paid off. They bribed the Roman soldiers to say that they fell asleep, and disciples came and stole the body. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, because they've got a big problem on their hands. Jesus has <laughs> <Right>. said before <laughs> yeah. he's going to rise from the dead. Right. That's the whole reason why they wanted to set the guard in the first place. That's right. They put a seal on the on the stone mm-hmm. and set a guard because we remember when he was still alive that he said he was going to rise from the dead. That's right. Yep. So yeah. even it's it's interesting. Even the religious leaders they they understood. Jesus is teaching better than the disciples did. Right. Right. They they're more worried about him rising from the dead than the disciples are anticipating it. Well, they believe he's a, he works supernatural miracles. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. They know he ro- he raised Lazarus. Yeah. So yeah, right. they put us they put a seal, uh, put some put some guards. Yeah. And uh, so that's what they do. They say we can't have people believing he actually rose from the dead. Right. Got to make a story up. Yeah. But there's some problems here because there is um, a band of soldiers. I don't know what happened to these band of soldiers or if church history records it. My theory is they got executed. Yeah. They were put to death. That's my theory. So I think they knew. Maybe they got uh, Maybe they got Hillary Clinton. <laughs> they, oh, maybe, they, they, for sure. maybe they got suicided. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they knew we're going to die. Maybe the Jewish authorities can help us. Yeah. And so they try to say, hey, let's go along with the Jewish authorities. We'll make a little money. Uh-huh. I don't think it mattered. I think they got put to death. Yeah. Because they failed. Right. They failed what they were assigned to do. <laughs> yeah. And it's a big, now it's a big, another big problem. Yeah. There's no body. Right. Um, but the idea that the disciples could have stolen the body is, is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. They, these are the people that ran away. Mm-hmm. Um, they were not present at the execution. Right. Um, They're hiding behind locked doors. Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not soldiers. These are fishermen and a tax collector. And I mean, there's right. only there's only one person that probably has ever done any kind of fighting. Mm. Uh, Simon, mm-hmm. uh, the zealot. Um, and now we're expected to believe that they're going to overpower these guards right right these professional yeah. soldiers yeah. and roll the stone away yep yeah it's it's a ridiculous it's ridiculous theory that's the other kind of theory of this is uh they just overpowered the guards uh-huh. and right and took him yeah it could never happen and they're so in awe of these uh these 11 disciples right that they go and report that an angel appeared <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah. They're so embarrassed that they've got to make up this fantastical story. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's also the fact that the disciples would have knowingly been telling a lie that's about the, Jesus rising from the dead. That's the big problem. And this is not this is not gaining them um popularity. <laughs> it's not gaining them fortune. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually causing them to be in poverty. 
to be ostracized, to be beaten and thrown into jail, and eventually all of them except for John is martyred. They're mar- yeah, they're killed. Yeah. Um, they, uh, the, the saying is something like um, people will people will die for something that's not true. Right. But no one will deliberately die for something that they know is a lie. Right. Right. Like so, so Muslims will strap a bomb on their chest and blow themselves up for something that they believe is true, mm-hmm. even if it's false. Right. But if they knowingly knew that it's a lie, that this is a lie, probably wouldn't do that. Do that. Right. Um, the disciples, um, they're not going to knowingly steal the body of Jesus make up a story about him rising from the dead and then be crucified upside down. Right. Live the rest of their lives in pain and suffering. <laughs> right. Like the rest of their lives will be sorrow, pain, and suffering according mm-hmm. to the world standards. And they all keep the lie. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. Chuck Colson, has, uh, he wrote a book after the Watergate scandal and him becoming a Christian, and he said he knows the resurrection happened because Watergate proved it to him. He said, um, 12 of the most powerful people in the entire world could not keep a lie for a week. Yeah. He said, and you expect us to believe that these disciples kept a lie for their entire life? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Impossible. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. All right. the, The fourth objection is that it was a mass hallucination. Yeah. They're all just seeing it. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. People grasp at straws. So we got to right. explain this somehow. Um, this would mean that hallucinations were more uh, more infectious than COVID. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I caught, I caught the hallucination from him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And hallucinate. It doesn't work because hallucinations aren't group things. They right. don't, that's not how they happen. Yeah. They're individual things. Yeah. So. Even if, uh, even if the disciples were drugged, right, they wouldn't all be seeing the same thing. <clears throat> yeah, Lee Strobel, when he was a skeptic and atheist, he interviewed a psychologist and asked him about this theory. Mm-hmm. And the the psychologist said hallucinations are individual things. Yeah. And I love the quote. This psychologist says, "If five hundred people had the same hallucination, that would be a bigger miracle than a resurrection." <laughs> yeah. All right. So what are, what are the evidences of? Um, the resurrection. So we, we we're poking holes in the objections, but uh, there are positive evidences for believing in the resurrection, right? Yeah, it's that the Jewish people began to worship Jesus as God. That's mm-hmm. number one. Yeah, that's pretty powerful, right? Thomas is recorded here. Yeah, worshiping Jesus as God. This right. is not something a Jew would do. You have to put yourself in in their world, in their mindset. Yeah, to worship a human as God is utter blasphemy of the most grotesque kind, and they would be risking eternity in hell. Right. Yeah. That's not something you just casually do. It's also important to know that Jesus was not the only person claiming to be the Messiah right. around this time. Mm-hmm. There were other people that were claiming to be the Messiah, and they were they were leading rebellions, and um, they were, <laughs> to the man, being put to death. Mm-hmm. None of them were being worshipped as God, right? Um, they didn't none, come back. none of them are. <laughs> none of them have a worldwide, you know, um, religion devoted followers, right? Uh, but Jesus does, right? Right. 
something had to set him apart from these other right. pretend well, yeah, messiahs, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. You're, well, you're getting into a little bit into the uh, the last one. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, they begin to worship him. I mean, Matthew, the, right before the Great Commission, the same thing. They go out to a mountain that Jesus told them to go to. Before we get that great quote from the Great Commission, they see Jesus and they begin to worship him. Mm-hmm. All of the disciples on a hillside, in my mind, they probably fall on the ground like any worshiping Jew would, and they worship Jesus. Yeah. You cannot explain that. Right. Yeah. Um, and not just them, many Jews, thousands mm-hmm. begin to worship Jesus as God. Right. Right. All right. So there's uh, there's the worship of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the transformation of the disciples. We kind of talked yeah, about we, that a little bit. Yeah, we touched on that. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're cowards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're afraid. And we say they're cowards, but like, like, like there's something flawed in their character. They're up against the, the superpower of the world. Right. They're not going to be brave and start a rebellion because they crucify their master. <laughs> right. They do what any normal person would do under Rome's yeah. boot. They're afraid. Right. Right. They're hiding. And their worlds have just been crushed. All their hopes were in Jesus, and now he's now he's dead. And then all of a sudden, what? How can you explain they're totally different people? It's like yeah. they do a one eighty. Right. They're brave. Mm-hmm. They're in public preaching Jesus. There's salvation in no other name under heaven. Yeah. They're calling people to repent of the crucifixion, repent of what you did, and believe the gospel, um, even under threat. By the by, the authorities and they won't stop. Right, and they will not stop. Yeah, and they they say to them, um, "We can't, we can't, but speak of what we have seen and heard." Yeah, right. Um, th- there's what what did they see and hear that would cause them suddenly to say, "We can't, we can't stop. Right. We can't stop talking about this." Mm-hmm. Well, it's the resurrection. Yeah, they saw him alive. Saw him alive. He's alive. You can't threaten people with death when Jesus has promised to raise you up as well. Right. Like there's no threat. Yeah. Right. So they're they're bold and brave. Um, then there's the changed worship customs, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've changed a lot. Saturday's a big deal. <laughs> Saturday the Sabbath is a, a big deal. It's right. a very very big deal. Right. I mean, even today, Jews that practice the Sabbath like the orthodox ones uh-huh. won't drive their car. Yeah. Like there's there's like a rope on Google like around a certain point in uh, certain points in New York City. So, yeah, they've got so, they've got like wi- they've got like string or wire or something uh-huh. that's around around the streets to mark off where how where far pe- people can, they walk. can walk. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's amazing. Yeah. And and so they don't the Sabbath is the day. Right. And all of a sudden Worshiping on the first day of the week. We're worshiping on Sunday now. Yeah. What just happened? Um, like, the, like you the, can't explain it other, any other way than that's the day Jesus rose from the dead, so that's when yeah. they began to worship. Uh, the inclusion of Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the... the um, I mean, you, you see, you see uh, Peter staying at the home of uh, a tanner. Like, this is a place where um, they would be butchering animals and... Right. And uh, you know, uh, declaring all foods clean. Uh, yeah. These changes—they're not minor, right? There's <laughs> something had to have happened for them to start changing their customs. It's odd to me the people that 
want to go back to the old ways. Like there's these movements in America um, to begin to hold the festivals, to have Saturday be the day of worship. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. Yeah. This altered everything. Right. The early church worshiped on Sunday. Yeah. That's right. a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the decentralization of the temple, mm-hmm. that's not, that no longer is super important right? Um, to these Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And then the last one is the rise of the early church. Right. And, and you just kinda, the existence of the church. You kind of touched on that uh, a second ago when you mentioned all the other messiahs who... Mm-hmm were put to death because they were in, they were really insurrectionist. <laughs> right. They're trying to overthrow uh-huh. Rome. Um, Jesus doesn't try to overthrow Rome. He's crucified. He rises from the dead. And the only explanation of the rapid growth of this movement is that Jesus actually was alive mm-hmm. and all these people saw him alive. Yeah. And that as the risen Christ, he sent the Holy Spirit, which empowered the local church, which made the church grow under penalty of death, and many of them were put to death. Yeah. But the church kept growing and couldn't be stopped. Yeah. So eventually it overthrew the Roman pantheon of gods. Right. So people, we don't kind of get that part of it. We're kind of lost because people get caught up in the whole like, oh, Constantine invented the church. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's such a ridiculous thing. Constantine, you can debate whether he really converted or not, but what you can't get away from is that the church grew so much mm-hmm. that it Jesus literally toppled the Roman pantheon of gods. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the first point. <laughs> it's been an hour. <laughs> <laughs> point one. Well, well, there's no free for all Fridays. So yeah, that's right. Um, you just but, get a double dose. But that's a good, that. um, that's a good, I mean, we need to talk about these apologetic right. issues because people are going to run into this stuff. Right. There is good reason to believe in the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and this matters because the all of Christianity is based on the fact that Jesus died and rose again. That's right. Right. So we need to know that this is not just, um, I believe it because he lives in my heart. We believe it because there's eyewitness testimony to the fact that he's alive, right? And we can believe that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was the first. Uh, the first point is the certainty of the resurrection's reality. The second one is the certainty of the resurrection's creation. Now, what do you mean by that? What I mean by this is that when Jesus rose from the dead, the entire universe was changed in that instant. He is the, if you could compare it, like to borrow from uh, what Paul says, where he's talking about the new body, <clears throat> and he starts saying like a seed that is planted in the ground. Uh-huh. Jesus' dead body planted in the tomb uh, like gives birth to a new reality. Mm. When he comes out of the grave, physically alive, human being, in a glorified human body. He's the first fruits of new creation. The okay. term we use is new creation. Revelation calls it the new heaven and the new earth. Yeah. And that's kind of what we look forward to, and rightly so. God is bringing us to that point. He's moving all of human history to this point where this 
created order, this universe is replaced by a new heaven and a new earth, where heaven and earth meet. God is amongst his people. God is with us. We're with him as his people. He removes all sickness. Everything that is a result of the fall is gone. Sickness, pain, suffering. There are no more tears, and there's no more death. It's everything that's good about this place, and everything that's gone is gone, and everything there's even better things. We can't even imagine how great it will be to live with God. (coughs) Jesus is the first part of that. Mm. That reality that God is bringing about came into existence when Jesus came alive. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the certainty of the resurrection's creation. It yeah. creates a new cosmic reality. The uh, the early church fathers would often talk about the eighth day. Mm. Um, so the the scriptures talk about Jesus rising on the first day of the week. Right. Um, the the early church fathers they would often talk about Jesus rising on the eighth day. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 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 bringing it back to Genesis one. Right. You've got the the six days of creation. There's evening and there's morning the first day, the second day, the third day. Then you've got the seventh day. God blesses the the seventh day and and makes it holy. Right. And there's no there's no um there's no evening and morning. Mm-hmm. So the understanding is that this is supposed to be the this is the state of God's good creation, is that it it's a never ending rest. Right. Because of the fall that's been all messed up right right um but through the resurrection jesus is bringing in the culmination of of that yeah so the eighth day yeah new, new creation that's right um that that's the that's the terminology that you'll you'll run up against as you read some of these early church fathers as they talk about jesus rising on the eighth day yeah and i think this idea of new creation makes best the best the best sense of 21 through 23, and I'm hoping like that was communicated well in the sermon. You can give me feedback if it wasn't. Yeah. Um, because it's not like laid out explicitly, but I think it's there. Mm-hmm. It's there in the in the text. There are so many theories if you look at commentaries as to what's going on in this passage. Yeah. But for me, I think it becomes clear when you view it through this uh, new this new creation theme. Uh huh. Because people say, well, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. Is John contradicting what was recorded uh, in the book of Acts? Like, is this his version of Pentecost? There's all these different theories. <laughs> right. Or is did Jesus regenerate them at this time, but later he empowered them with the Spirit for missions? Mm-hmm. So there's all this different stuff. And Yeah. Um, these, these theories aren't original with me at, at all by any means. Um, <clears throat> D.A. Carson talks about it some. Uh, Pink, um, J.C. Ryle, uh, though he does, J.C. Ryle doesn't land explicitly here, but I think what you see here is Jesus commissioning, or he, he is forming a new humanity, right? So as he as he takes his disciples. And he says, you know, as I have been sent into the world, so I'm sending you into the world. That's a commissioning. Mm-hmm. And they need power for that, which will yeah. come at 
I believe will come at Pentecost, but he says he he breathes on them, says mm-hmm. receive the Holy Spirit. But what a weird thing. Right. He breathes out on them. Are right. we are we to think that Thomas didn't get this because he wasn't there? <laughs> right. Right. Uh-huh. Did he have to breathe on Thomas separately? Right. He breathes out on them. Well, if you if you go back to how kind of John has set all of this up, remember his gospel starts at the very, very beginning. Right. Pre creation. Mm-hmm. In the beginning was the word. That's that's before even Genesis one. <laughs> right. So Jesus, the word, was God. Yeah. He was with God and the word was God. And he created everything. That's what John tells us in in the beginning of his gospel, that there's nothing in existence that Jesus did not create. You go back to Genesis, as he forms the first man, mm-hmm. he it's an intimate view. He like he forms the man personally, and then breathes into him the breath of life. Right. And so what I think John's doing is he's showing you this is new creation. Yeah. This is creation part two. Right. Jesus is creating a new humanity mm-hmm. in these disciples. Yeah. And he breathes on them the breath of life, right. just like in Genesis. Um, I think that's what's going on. And so it, it kind of functions as like a, uh, I don't even know if it's correct terminology, like a living parable like what he did with the foot washing. Because of the foot washing, what he didn't do was wash all their sins away when he washed their feet. Right. But Peter, he, Peter's like, you can't wash me. Like, you're the master. I'm just a student. You can't wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And he's like, well, then wash all of me then. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's mistaken. Peter at that time is mistaken. Right. This Jesus has given them as a picture as to what he'll accomplish through his death, burial, and resurrection mm-hmm. and the cleansing of their sin, giving them new life. It's not when he washes their feet. And I don't think this is the Holy Spirit comes into them when he breathes on them. Right. I think it's like a precursor mm-hmm. uh, to what will happen at Pentecost when he sends the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. It has even some, but it didn't hit on it. But, you know, Eastern Orthodox don't believe the Spirit proceeds from Jesus. And right. I think they're wrong, and this verse would be one I would point to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus Jesus, and the Father together. <laughs> yeah, I think that, uh, you know, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with church history, you don't realize how big a deal this was. Right. Um, it's called the Filioque Clause. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the East rejects that. Right. Um, and this actually caused the East and the West to split. Right. Um, and uh, they're still split. Yeah, they split. Right. Uh, so Rome... The Roman Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, right. split on this and over the Pope. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think so. I think it's that's that's clear. So that's that's what is happening. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> He's making a new humanity, new creation. Yeah. Is not just future. It's in Jesus' new community that uh-huh. He's made. Right. Okay. You had some aspects of new creation that were found in this mm-hmm. passage. Yeah. Very quickly, because we probably should go through them quickly. But uh, so the first thing Jesus says every time he appears is peace, like uh-huh. shalom. Right. And this is a new reality for humanity. That's what we need to understand, I think. Mm-hmm. People are alienated from God. They don't, people don't believe that. They walk around thinking everything's okay. 
But the story of the Bible is you're not okay. You don't have peace. No matter how peaceful you may feel, you know, sitting out on your front porch watching the sun go down, you don't have peace with God. You're dead in your sins. Mm. You're an enemy of God. You're not reconciled. And God's taking all of the steps necessary to bring peace. And that happens through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so he's a proclaimer of peace. Right. And that's what we have in his community. Yeah, We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Second is we're commissioned as ambassadors um, to be sent into the world. I mean, it's not a light thing. Uh, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Well, you got to think through that, uh, you know. Um, one of the big things that hit me from that, well, let me just go down the list. How is Jesus? Jesus is sent proclaiming. Proclaiming what? Proclaiming the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. That's what his people do. They go out into the world proclaiming good news of the kingdom. But Jesus is also sent, and we should understand, into a world. That's a big part of John. John 3.16 is a verse everyone loves, but nobody really thinks through what the world is in John. The world is a terrible place. Mm. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is not a good place. It's filled with terrible people. Um. And we were part of this terrible world before we were Christians. We were terrible people. The world is filled with sinners, and that's who Jesus comes to. Um, he he's incarnate. He becomes he comes into this sin filled world, becoming friends of sinners. Jesus is a friend of his of sinners. There's, mm-hmm. there's no way to get around that. Uh, people, you know, people. You know, he was with people, didn't like to associate with those types of people. Jesus was associating with them, became friends with them. I had a professor once, Dr. Preston. He said, uh, Jesus didn't send an email, a text, or a tweet. He sent his son. And you can kind of feel that, right? Mm-hmm. He came personally. Right. And he sends us into the world in the same way. Um, and so kind of the thing that I brought up was, do we have any friends that are not Christians that we would say are sinners? Yeah. Because um, Jesus came into the world for sinners. Right. And I think, if we're honest, many of us don't. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get in a cult, uh, like a, a cultural bubble, a Christian bubble. Even if you work in the world, they're just acquaintances. Yeah. Just say hi to them at work, talk to them at work, whatever. But they don't know you. You don't know them. You don't share anything, part of your life with them. Uh, you're not involved in their world. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, that, we got to think about that, right? Yeah. Maybe people ought to be able to accuse us of being drunkards, <laughs> right? Jesus was yeah. accused of being a drunkard mm-hmm. and a sinner. Yeah, because of who he associated with. Not that he was, because he never was. Right, he never sinned. He wasn't a drunkard. Right, but he got accused of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that kind of made me think about it. It was a lot easier for me, at least, whenever I was not a pastor, to have those type of relationships. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a lot of work. It, it takes a lot of work, maybe, to try to foster a relationship with someone. I mean, let's let's be honest. The people are going to be leery of you. Yeah. If, if they find out you're a Christian, right? Maybe they don't want to be your friend, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I think we got to at least try. Yeah. You yeah. know. Uh huh. So, 
Yeah. We're commissioned. We're as ambassadors. We go into the world the same way he went into the world. We obviously can't do what he did, but I mean, we've we talked about this before earlier in John's Gospel. We get to take the same gospel. We get to continue his ministry. We don't have a new ministry. We have his ministry. He's gave, he's given it to us to continue it. Okay. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, you have the receiving of the Spirit. We talked about that. Yeah, we talked about right. that. Receiving so the Spirit, empowering the Spirit. That is, um, that's new covenant mm-hmm. um, promise, right? Yep. Uh, then there's this interesting phrase um, here in verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Right. Um, what is happening here? What does this mean? Um, we know how the the Roman Catholic Church sure interprets this. Uh, Peter's given the keys to the kingdom. Uh, it's the Pope, and the apostles are given the ability to forgive uh, or withhold forgiveness. And the uh, you know the Pope and the priest are in uh, you know direct succession to the apostles. Right. So they're able to declare someone forgiven. So if you want forgiveness, you have to go to a priest. Yeah. You go go confess. The priest will um, assign you penance and right. then absolve you. Right. So you'll go, you'll say, hey, I did whatever. I know it's a sin. I'll mm-hmm. say, yeah, you're right. It was a sin. <laughs> yeah. do uh do 10 hill marys and however many our fathers light a candle go yeah. pray over here um come to mass five times this week and yeah your sins are absolved you'd be the most chill priest ever jay yeah right i know ah, uh, here we go uh... again I heard this one about a million times <laughs> right yeah okay but that's not what it means right i mean that creates another uh, there there's one mediator uh-huh. between God and man, right? The man Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. That verse you could throw out the window. Yeah, that makes that makes these this priesthood uh-huh. mediators. Right, you can't be forgiven apart from them mm-hmm. and what they declare. Right. Um, if you take it, if it's taken into its missional uh, context, because this is like a missional statement. Right. Um, then I think what you end up with is that we the church. Christians have been given the authority to declare to people that their sins are forgiven. Yeah. If they have believed the gospel of Jesus <laughs> right. Christ. Yeah. That's it. Right. I think that's it. We go into the world preaching the gospel that Jesus died for sinners, was crucified, died, buried, he rose again on the third day. Anyone that comes to him in repentance and faith, mm-hmm. Jesus forgives sinners. Right. And if someone comes, we can say, "Welcome, brother. Mm-hmm. Your sins are forgiven in Christ." Right. Not that you're forgiving them personally. And then, if someone rejects, it's a it's a, it's a um, objective statement of the gospel, right? Right. So Paul can say in Romans eight one, "There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus." Right. That's, that's right. That's what he he is declaring: those who are in Christ have been forgiven of their sins. And they're yeah. not; they're no longer condemned. Yes, and we can do the same thing. I think that what's happened is that um, so many Christians have bought into this. We can't judge. Um, we can't, who who am I to say this is wrong? 
um, you know, the Jonathan Merritt, everyone's invited to the table, right? Kind of, you know, mushy Christianity. Um, we have the authority granted us from Jesus um, that, based upon a person's response to the gospel, we can say you are or are not forgiven. Yeah, I mean, Jesus has parables for this stuff. Everyone is invited to the table, right? Yeah. It just so happens there's a guy in the story that's there at the table yeah. that the master gets up and says, "How'd you get in here?" <laughs> right. And then it literally says he throws him into the he throws him out yeah. to the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right. Sounds like maybe hell. Mm-hmm. Um, something I think Jonathan Merritt probably doesn't even believe in. I don't I don't know. Yeah. But it's because he doesn't have on the clothes of the master. Right. He's not wearing the wedding garments. The wedding garments are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Their sins are forgiven. Right. Anyone who is not is dead in their sins. So we're not we're not being judgmental when we look at someone who is um, rejecting the gospel of Christ and trying to merit favor with God through. Um, you know, doing penance. Right. Um, we're not being judgmental by saying you are separated from God. Right. Your you your sins are um, have brought you under the wrath of God. Yes. Because you're not trusting in the finished work of Christ. That's right. that's not being judgmental. That's simply stating that based on your response to the gospel of God's grace in Christ, um, you're you're not forgiven. Mm-hmm. But if you repent and believe this gospel, you are forgiven, right? Um, that that's we we can say that. Yes, we do have true. the authority to say that, and mm-hmm. we don't have to fear that we're being judgmental by saying that. It yeah. simply is an objective truth. Yes, right? that's right. That's what it is. So those are all part of this. What the resurrection has created, yeah, new creation in Christ, the first fruits, but then He forms this new community. Okay. The church. All right. So the last, uh, the last certainty is the certainty of the testimony to the resurrection. So uh-huh. we've we've talked about the eyewitness accounts, but now we're we're moving into John's purpose statement, mm-hmm. which is for people who are living, you know, two thousand years after these right. events. Right? Yeah. And the purpose statement is at the end of chapter twenty and not twenty one, mm-hmm. and. I think it makes sense that it's here. Yeah. If you see kind of how he's talking about this, um, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John's saying, I want you to believe. Right. And I've written this so that you can believe. Uh-huh. So if you read just chapter 20 in a whole, like repeatedly, uh, you're going to start notice, noticing that there's certain words used over and over. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the word believe is used, or belief is implied by a response from someone. Six, There's six times that I counted, could be more, uh, but six I counted. The word believe, then the word seen or saw or was shown seven times. So the pattern, if you just read it, is you're going to see is they saw something, they believed. They saw Jesus, they believed. They saw, they believed. They saw, they believed. Um, and then Jesus tells Thomas kind of where it ends is, oh, you believe because you saw? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So he there's this pronouncement from Jesus. Uh, there's some type of blessing involved uh, 
for people through church history, that would be all of us who have not seen Jesus alive, and we believe he's alive. We have faith. Uh, There's a great blessing involved. And then John tells you, right after Jesus says that, I wrote all this down so you could believe. So the certainty of the testimony of the resurrection, I think, is the certainty of the trustworthiness of Scripture. Mm. Because Scripture, the Bible, is what bears testimony to the resurrection. That's how we know about the resurrection. Mm -hmm. The disciples are gone. We know about it because of what they wrote. So for me, it's a certainty. You can trust the Bible. And John thought you could trust it so much that it's like having an eyewitness testimony. It'd be like, I think, in John's mind, when you possess the Gospel of John, it's like you seeing Jesus alive. Mm. Right. And because that's so much evidence, you should believe it. Yeah. This should... um I think be the death knell to uh, the heavenly tourism books. Right. right. Everyone was buying into those several years ago. You know, the boy that came back from you know heaven. Right. Um, everyone is like, oh, they saw it. it. It must be true because here's someone that is is saying that it's true. Uh-huh. Um, but we have the Bible. Right. And the Bible is the evidence that we need. Uh huh. That's right. Right. Yeah. The book, the Bible is a supernatural book. Yeah. When Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, mm-hmm. he calls to people through this book. Yeah. And I don't mean like, I'm not talking in a metaphorical way either. I mean, he actually calls people like he called Mary. Yeah. By name. Right. So when you read the Bible, for those, there's a people that have been given to Jesus from the Father. When they pick up the book or they hear the gospel, which is a recounting of the apostles' testimony, um, they're encountering they're encountering Jesus. Mm. I would say just as much so as if you saw him risen from the dead with yeah. your with your eyes, with your physical eyes. You may not see him with your physical eyes, mm-hmm. but through the through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, you encounter Jesus. Yeah. You meet you meet him. Right. Um, this is why Jesus, you know, he's telling the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man is is in hell, and he is begging Abram, Abraham to send Lazarus back to warn his brothers, and Abraham says, they have the law, they have Moses and the prophets, right? Right. Um, if they need to pay attention to the to Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament. Right. If they don't, if they won't pay attention to the Old Testament, to the scriptures, then they won't they won't even believe if someone rises from the dead. Right. And Jesus is saying that it's it's not they don't need this eyewitness account to believe. They need the scriptures. Um yeah, that's right. You've got um the Luke twenty four that when Jesus appears to the the two on the road to Emmaus, mm-hmm. he's right there, but yeah. they're kept from seeing him. Why why doesn't why doesn't God just remove that that blindness so that they can see him and they'll believe. Instead, Jesus says, um, you, you who are so slow to believe everything that's written in the law and the prophets. Yeah. And then, starting with, with Moses, he explains to them in all the scriptures the things that are concerning him. Right? It, wasn't it necessary that the, that the Messiah suffer and then rise? Yeah. 
they don't need they don't need to see Jesus standing there talking to them. They need him to open the scriptures and believe what's written in the scriptures. Yeah. And so then they say, We're not our hearts burning within us as he was explaining the scriptures to us. Right. Right. Um, that's what we need. We need the scriptures. Uh-huh. We don't need some um you know, physical encounter with Jesus standing in front of us. We have Jesus speaking to us in the word. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That, that's what we need. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very good. So that's it. That's the final one, the certainty. Okay. Hopefully that came across as understandable. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, he doesn't tell you it explicitly. Yeah. Right. I just think it's there in the way it laid it out. Right. Like eyewitnesses. Uh-huh. And then you're here you are. You're throwing this purpose statement on the end of that. Right. So... He seems to put a lot of stock in it. Okay. All right. You know. Well, that's why we need to be preaching the scripture, right? That's yeah. that's why, uh, again, we, we keep talking about um, how church should function. Right. The the importance of preaching and what should be the content of of the preacher, mm-hmm. right? The the death and resurrection of Christ. Right. Because that's, that is how God calls his sheep. That's right. Okay. You doing all right? You losing it? I'm, Just I'm we done. got we got right to the end, and you're yeah, yeah, and you're losing it. I'm done. Okay, all right, <laughs> all right. Okay, well, thanks for preaching, uh, preaching John twenty. Um, next week is not all of John twenty one, right? Is it all of John twenty one? All right, we'll see. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I encourage people to go back and listen to the sermon that Jay preached on Sunday out of John 20 on the resurrection. Hopefully this has been helpful for you as we've been talking about a lot of apologetics issues because we want you to share the gospel with others. Um, that That's what Jesus has sent us out to do. He sent us just as the Father sent him. So we need to be faithful to go and uh, we need to go and take the gospel, the pure gospel that is found in the scriptures. So hopefully that's helped you and um, may this help you to become more and more conformed to Christ and we will see you next time.